So we're going to bring him back on here in just a second. All right, he should be back with us. Jake, are you back? Oh, They're working on it. Give one second. They're working on it. They'll get him back in a second. You got um, back but on, that's how Mr. crazy Producer? this is. Jake, while right, you were connecting, while you were connecting, I was just listing some of the other state and federal charges where people could com commit them, get a mandatory minimum, and get out of jail before you. Listing things like prostitution, kidnapping, um, sexual abuse, sexual assault, uh, assaulting an elderly blind person with a firearm in some states. They will, if they could get a mandatory minimum that would get out faster than you based okay, on your so sentencing. So I'm going to say something, though. There's a guy named uh, Mr. Josh Lister that said that, uh, do you know who wants to reform it? It says, uh, the sentencing and incarceration system has been messed up for forever. Do you know who wants to reform it? It said leftist. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You're wrong. That is not true. That is a narrative that is not true. I have personally worked on the incarcerated, incarceration program across youth and adult offenders. And it is not leftists that are trying to make reforms happen in that they say they do. They say they do, but they're not doing that. That is not what they're doing. They push on things like bails. They push on things. They do not try to reform it, and I'm in it. So don't talk to me about what you think is happening. I can tell you right now, I have tried helping out in these systems for decades. And it is not leftists that are doing things to try and even out what happens in the the judiciary. It's not, it's not true. Well, there's so much that they say and so much that they don't do. I'm not surprised. You see, I've, I've noticed personally, I've noticed a formula that every single election year, there is a new virus to be afraid of. And there's a new white guy shooting a new black person. Okay, and uh, the politicians, the bureaucracy, the media, they end up using both of these things to uh, basically poke and prod these compartmentalized groups of uh, propagandized minds. Now, for your listeners, I'm not sure if they know what compartmentalizing is. You gentlemen might, but compartmentalization is essentially giving somebody a very small piece of a very large puzzle and allowing that person to work on that very limited view of uh, whatever it is that they're working on and then say, give that little puzzle piece back to the person that gave it to them fully completed. Or it could be in the case of the media, the Mockingbird media, what they do is they give each group a a uh, different piece, a different small piece of a very large puzzle, but they try to convince the people that are watching or listening to their news that that very small piece of the puzzle is the big picture. It is the whole puzzle. And then they have a bunch of people arguing over their little puzzle piece being right. All the while, the people that actually have the, you know, the big view, the, the, the larger view of the whole puzzle end up laughing their, their rear ends off because they have a bunch of people in the country arguing over lies. Yeah, it's it, it is. Go ahead, Max. Well, I was going to ask you, Jake. I, again, I, I I'm I'm sorry that I allowed the media to to convince me that you were a crazy person, because you're obviously not. And I, I I'm reading the comments, and lots of people are apologizing, um, and and they're very. Uh, sorry that they allowed the media to paint you in that way 
how much how much screen time do you get a day? Because you are talking like you are not in solitary confinement because you seem to know everything that's going on. You were talking about the Rittenhouse trial. Um, how how much are you allowed to get on the internet? How much are you allowed to watch the news? Oh, I don't I not I don't ever get on the internet. Um, I'm I just listen to talk radio and I've only been listening for like the last you know ever since I got back from from Colorado. So like in August, late uh, early August, uh, that's that's when I started listening to talk radio again. Um, they gave me like a little walk like a little uh, Walkman like deal like a little radio with headphones. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much where I've been. I've just been staying up on the news through that. I've been listening to uh, Chris Plant, Dan Bongino, uh, Vince Colonnese, uh, Mark Levin, and occasionally I'll listen to Ben Shapiro. I'm not too big of a fan of Shapiro as much as I am the other guys, but you know I like getting a, I like getting an all an all over perspective, and so that's how I've stayed so up to date. And I appreciate that people are uh, you know. Saying sorry, you know, for believing the media. But this is this is the beautiful part, man. This is why it's like, hey, I'm whatever the country needs me to be, because you know now the people really understand how slanted and how inaccurate the mockingbird media actually is. And you know, hey, guess what? Look, I God love Fox News for uh, you know speaking the truth in some areas. Like we, you know, even uh, Tucker Carlson was speaking the truth about me or about Kyle Rittenhouse and stuff like that. But you know, you guys, that's that's still mockingbird media and you know uh they the fox news called biden uh, called arizona for biden with 75 percent of the vote counted in arizona okay so uh and they won't and they will not show any of trump's rallies on fox news okay so the media you guys i'm telling you right now the media is inaccurate as it gets. It, it's it's the Pravda. It's it's state-sponsored media. It's just people don't know it's state-sponsored media because it's a bunch of corporations that are in bed with a corrupt government. Well, and you remember when uh, Trump was actually giving all those press conferences uh, during you know when the pandemic was was really you know confusing everybody, and he was giving all of those press conferences and throwing Fauci up in the middle of everything and having him speak, oh, and then the mainstream media. He was letting he was letting him do his little circus and putting the the pressure on him because now he's responsible because he's saying it. And then the media, after a certain time, when he was doing every day more time than I've ever seen a president spend talking to the public, and then the mainstream media was like, "We refuse to air these press conferences because it's so dangerous, and we you know we we can't be a part of Trump uh, radicalizing America. It's disgusting." Yeah, well, tr- look, uh, God love Trump because I know he did a whole lot of good. He made, I mean, granted, he was a, he's a first-time president. He's never been president. He's, he's not even a politician. But he made a pretty serious mistake um, not firing Dr. Fauci. I mean, the man ain't even a doctor anymore. And when you get into to the way that he's in bed with people like Bill Gates and the pharmaceutical companies and, you know, universities and the way that, you know, uh, he's been in the bureaucracy. You know what? Fauci is a perfect example of the corrupt bureaucracy and somebody that was appointed, you know, 40 years ago almost and is still in a really high-level position of power. He was So hold on. He, he was appointed in the 80s to a high-level position within the bureaucracy and he stayed there for how long? Yeah. Did you know that Dr. Fauci is one of the highest, if not the highest paid federal, uh, he is. Um, He's the highest. federal employee? Yeah, and, and he gets like 150. He and he gets 150 thousand dollars per patent that he has uh, that he has stock in or that he has uh, rights to. 
and he gets all this money from doing press conferences and, and, and from doing speaking events and talking with the media. So, you know, he, dude's Dr. Mengele, man. I'm telling you, yeah. and, and um, uh, people are beginning to see, and this is, I think, what's really interesting about the fact that they thought, oh, well, we'll just steal the election and, you know, we'll take, we'll take America from the people. You know, it's like, well, hold on a second. Karma is becoming more and more instant, all right? And you can try, but, you know, you, that may end up, you know, biting you in the rear end. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so he can has I been say, in office. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, sure, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say he's oh, been in well, office um, so long, the majority of Americans haven't even indirectly voted for him, right? Oh, go yeah. ahead, say what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And he, but he's a perfect example of corrupting key portions within the system, and then these key portions within the system end up working together toward a much more corrupt uh, machine-type end. And interestingly enough, what ends up happening is that the corrupt uh, individuals in the local, the state, and the federal government all end up working together with the other corrupt governments all over the world and these much larger corrupt corporate or um, like a United Nations-type entities like the Bilderberg Group or the United Nations or the Trilateral Commission or whatever, you know, they all end up working together toward this quote-unquote new world order. Um, but what I wanted to say was um, a lot of people look at the situation and they go, my God, what do we do? You know, um, how do we fix this? You know, how do we get our country back? And the fact of the matter is, yes, this is a tightly knit, highly efficient machine. Yes, it is highly organized, but it is a house of cards. It's like a stack of Jenga blocks, you know, and if we learn to see the world the way that these people that have set this up see the world, then all we have to do is pull the right Jenga blocks and the whole thing comes down. You know, and in martial arts, the reason why they call it self-defense is because when somebody is attacking you, a lot of the time when people go on the attack, they end up leaving vital portions of their bodies extremely vulnerable to attack. And it is a part of self-defense to exploit these vulnerabilities. If your opponent does this, then you do that. If your opponent does this, you do that. Now, there's a technique in martial arts called mantis. Mantis is the exploitation of the pressure points and the pressure points on the body. And any time anybody tries to attack somebody, a lot of the time they leave pressure points open. So it's like the concentrated hitting of certain very key parts, uh, parts of the body to disable the whole system through hitting portions of the nervous system. So the, the, these principles can be uh, applied to international conflicts, to economic warfare, to psychological warfare, etc. Okay, so if we hit certain select pressure points within the corrupt system, whether that be in healthcare or whether that be in the energy supply or the media or something like that, then we can both cease the control of the corrupt system and we can create a new system in the process. Now, unfortunately, the opposition has organized themselves so well that they've uh, kept the public disorganized and divided, and they've done this through control of the narrative and control of the dialogue. I mean, think about it. Thoughts are things, and if you can control the things that people think about, then you can control the collective thought patterns or the collective thought process of the entirety of the civilization. Okay, now if we look at history and we ask ourselves, okay, well, how did people get out of, say, the Dark Ages? 
Okay, how did where, how did we how did we evolve as a society? Well, quite often what ends up happening, like if you look for say example with the uh, the scientific revolution or the industrial revolution and the way that these leaps in evolution ended up changing whole civilizations, what we end up finding is that we evolved as a collective or as a species because we overcame obstacles through uh, the recognition of patterns and the application of knowledge of those recognized patterns and, and, and the changing of our behavior. And a lot of the time this was done by individuals or a small group of individuals within the, within the society. So, you know, for example, Isaac Newton or Galileo or Einstein or, you know, what have you, the, the Nikola Tesla. Okay, these people are the ones that were the individuals or the small group of individuals that were pushing the boundaries, the intellectual boundaries, that discovered these patterns in reality and then applied this knowledge to, uh, to either new inventions or to changing the behavior. And then this adaptation ended up affecting the whole species. So essentially, evolution is about the application of knowledge, all right? And it, these very small group of individuals or these select individuals end up having a very large butterfly effect on the populations, and therefore a small percentage is able to change everything within the society or within the culture. And so knowledge-based strategic thinking ends up creating long-term and short-term success. And if we really look at history and we want to say, well, how do we change this system, man? Like, it's so corrupt, it's so broken, it's like, what the hell do we do? Well, every time anybody has done something like uniting nonviolently on a consistent basis, to overcome unjust obstacles within a corrupt system, they have garnered both short-term and long-term changes that, that are applied not just in many cases to their nation, but to the whole world. I mean, just look at what happened with Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. So ultimately what it comes down to is these people change the dialogue in their nation or in their culture. And in that way, they also change the collective thought patterns. They got people to think of things differently. They got them to see the pattern that these people saw and then apply that knowledge to change their behavior as individuals. And then all these individuals changing their behavior ended up changing the entirety of the civilization. So if the antithesis of disorganized division is organized unity, then all we have to do is figure out a uh, incorruptible formula for organized unity, and we will be successful. Um, I, I think that um, if you want, I can keep going. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say to that, Max? So, so no, I mean, I, I think you're you're completely right. I, I that that's ultimately the goal, right? We we have to figure out how to unify. No, I, I'm just I can't. I, think we're I, I just I still can't get over that they called you short bus. I still can't I still can't get past get past that. Hearing you talking, it's uh <clears throat> I just I don't know where he got that. That's just it's completely made up. I think I think it's, it's hilarious. Made. You know, I <laughs> I didn't think it was hilarious while I was sitting in my cell unable to defend myself, but um, I think it's hilarious now. Um, you know, because obviously I'm not a short bus. I will tell you this though, um, you know, I'm not very good with math. 
and uh, I think I'm a little dyslexic because I have trouble reading out loud. And, um, and when it comes to socially, you know, social situations, I can sometimes be socially awkward because I don't know when to stop talking. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, uh, I, I can say, though, that I'm definitely not short bus. I've never ridden the short bus, and I, um, uh, I, I never will. Um, but I, I, I have an idea, though, on how we can do something, how we can organize better. And I would like to share that with you, if that's okay. Yeah, but before you do that, I, I, want, I wanted to, to know something. When you quoted John F. Kennedy's um, um, speech from April 27, 1961, right? Uh-huh. That, that was from his speech. So I'm one of the few people that uh, have memorized that as well. So as you were speaking, I was like, there's no way in the world that he would... That you would, and I, and I, by the way, I read the Warren report. I, I came to the conclusion back in college that, that uh, Kennedy was killed by our own government. Um, and you can actually get to that conclusion by where, by reading the Warren report. It's in there. All that information is actually in there. It, it, it talks about the unlikely event that he was shot from one angle and one person based on trajectory, based on all the things that they, it was in the Warren report. It, it actually is a, it, and it shows you the laziness of people because people don't do, take the time to read. They just skin deep. It's like TikTok video, first 15 seconds. Boop. And I promise you what Al Watkins said about you was the shot heard around the world. That's what they just saw is that, oh my gosh, this guy is just retarded. He just rides a short bus. Yeah, that was the magic bullet theory yeah. of January 6th. That all these pe- little yeah. uh, Captain Dum Dums just kind of walked into the Capitol, right? Which kind of t- tells a different story of, and, th- and then he tries to tell you that all the Captain Dum Dums happened because of four years of rhetoric from Trump, and he told you that he was a Trump supporter, and all you had to do is just get on uh, Tracer and see that the guy is giving money to Act Blue and a bunch of other organizations. Al Watkins is definitely one hundred percent not a Trump supporter at all. So it, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I couldn't do that. I was locked up. But it's interesting yeah, that t- Max. Go ahead. Sorry, Max. Oh no, you can finish. I, I, once you're done, I want to ask Jake about the conditions in the prison before we lose him. Yeah, and um, and somebody asked a question, of whether or not you got a haircut yet, and have you been you been able to shave and. Is, is that well, I shaved my head, but I'm letting my beard grow. I'm I'm going to let my beard grow until I get out. I'm going to see how long it can get. I think that's going to be a cool idea. But really quick, I, I, I would like to finish this, and then I will talk about the uh, sure. the conditions that I'm living in. Is that cool? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So um, I think that um, in order – there's a saying that goes in business, and you'll probably know this, Joe. Um, consistency builds momentum. Yeah. So if we meet consistently at a at the same well-known location and at the same time over and over and over again, we can really develop some momentum. Now, I think that a, a well-known location for everybody would be at their capital, whether that be a nation, a state, a city, a town. Every one of these locations has a capital or like a capital building, okay? And if if we're going to do these meetings, if we're going to organize, then these things have to be incorruptible. That means that they have to, uh, 
they, they have to be done in a way to where misinformation and infiltration can't disrupt it. So obviously they have to be nonviolent. We all saw the way that violence can be used by a small group of people to make a whole large group of people look violent, especially with the media. Okay, so these things have to be nonviolent, number one. But number two is imagine, for example, if everybody met at their capital every single Saturday at noon, and that was the formula. That's pretty much what we were doing in Arizona was we were meeting at the Capitol every day, not just every Saturday, every day, but every Saturday, that's when everybody that was like going to work and stuff like that would meet at the Capitol in Arizona. And we did that every single weekend for months. Okay. Now imagine if everybody met at their capital, not just in the United States, but all over the world to say protest these masks and the social distancing crap. Imagine if they started doing things like civil disobedience, like what Gandhi did in uh, South Africa, where they're burning their vaccine cards or burning their vaccine passports and refusing to cooperate. Okay. Imagine this type of a formula where people are singing or they're praying or they're socializing, where they're refusing to wear masks, they're being civil disobedient, they're burning their vax cards, they're burning their passports, okay? This would end up accomplishing several objectives simultaneously. First of all, the consistency allows us to build momentum, but secondly, because this can't be corrupted with misinformation and disinformation regarding the time and the place, um, what it will end up doing is where there was once disorganization and people were having a protest here or in this location or that location or the time is getting changed or whatever, where, where once people were spread thin and disorganized, this, this idea actually kind of creates organization by default. And through this organization by default, we would end up creating all sorts of unity and a real sense of morale because we'd have a bunch of people with the same goal and the same mindset all gathering together and communicating. And if we're gathering together and communicating, what does that mean? That means that we're, we're all changing the dialogue. And if we're changing the dialogue and we're changing the things that people think, then we can literally change the collective thought patterns of our, of our civilization. And this is the historical window. Now is the time, you guys. Considering everything that's going on in the government, considering these high levels of corruption, considering the direction that we are going as a corrupt bureaucracy, now is our historical window of opportunity. You know, Winston Churchill was talking about how, like, you know, if you will not fight when, you know, when there is no chance of bloodshed and you're guaranteed to win, then you may end up fighting when you have very little chance of winning or no chance at all, but it's better to fight than, than live a slave. So we don't want to get to that point. We want to fight now non-violently. We want to not cooperate. And I mean, if you look at the way that, you know, non-cooperation has worked with some of these mask mandates and stuff, I heard about this eight-year-old girl that refused to wear a mask at school and she was suspended mm -hmm. 38 times. And then yeah, all of a sudden yeah. they lifted the, the mask mandate. If an eight-year-old girl can do it, everybody listening to this podcast yeah. can do it. Okay. Teamwork makes the dream work, you guys. And if everybody pushes at the same time in the same direction toward the same goal or the same end at this point in history, then nothing can stop us. Now, one final point, and then I'll talk about the, the, uh, mm -hmm. the jail uh, conditions. And that is, look, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, God love you, you are using corrupted communication lines. In warfare, the number one thing that you want to do is corrupt your enemy's communication lines or co-opt them so you know everything your enemy's doing. That's the reason why the, the British corrupted the Nazi uh, communication lines in Europe and they didn't bother telling them. They just, they just let them 
talk it out and they they cracked their code and they they uh, you know garnered all the information they needed to win the war. It's also the reason why we used Navajo code talkers in World War II, so our communication lines couldn't be corrupted. Yeah. So by going on social media or by listening to the mockingbird media, um, you know we're essentially allowing communists to control us. But if we were to unite on American social media or free speech platforms like Getter, Parler, uh, Rumble, um, BitChute, uh, Telegram, etc., then um, this is another higher level of organization that would also be compounded by, say, meeting at a Capitol every uh, Saturday at noon or something like that. So if you mix all of these things, the historical window of opportunity with the consistency of the meetings at the Capitol, and this not just in the United States but all over the globe, the teamwork making the dream work, there being no censorship on our social media and people making videos and doing posts and stuff like that, the changing of the dialogue, you mix all these things together, Together, what do you get? You get great success, yes, great success. Okay, <clears throat> very nice. So this is very this nice. is very nice. Yes, yes. Okay, this is that may be that may be the first Borat impression from inside of a prison. <laughs> on, <laughs> on a podcast, you yeah. might be the first one ever. So that's. That, that and I have one other thing I want to throw that throw out. And you guys, let me know if you've heard of this before. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Dr. Rife, Dr. Uh, Royal Raymond Rife? Rings a bell. Rife uh, frequency explain. work, right? Well, Rife, yes, exactly. Rife created a machine in the 1930s that could basically destroy and, and dissolve cancer or kill viruses or parasites, and it was all through frequency. And basically, similar to how when you, uh, when you reach the pitch of frequency that a wine glass is resonating at, mm -hmm. it will shatter the wine glass, okay? It's very similarly, you can destroy cancer cells, you can destroy viruses and parasites the exact same way. And Dr. Rife figured this out in the 30s, and his patent was a disruptive patent, and it was procured by the government and made top secret because it would essentially disrupt the medical industry and the, the monopoly the pharmaceutical companies had on our, on our medicine. Okay, so um, if, if we're all arguing over controlled talking points that are given to us by the mockingbird media and the communists in social media, then that's going to end up creating a bunch of compartmentalized, demoralized, and disorganized groups that are under communist control. But if we are conversing about free speech topics and talking points on American social media, then what we have is decompartmentalized unity. We have moralized organization all under American control. So instead of protesting and arguing against vaccines, you know, whether or not they're effective or dangerous or for or against or whatever, what we should be doing is conversing and demanding things like Dr. Rife's machine and his cures. And we should be talking about the cures for cancer, the cures for AIDS, the key, and yes, the cure for COVID, because it's out there. We've had it for over 90 years, okay? But if we, if we talk about this, it changes everything for a number of reasons, okay? Because first of all, we're using the enemy's momentum against them, okay? We're, we're, everybody's talking about vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. Well, now anytime anybody talks about vaccines, all people have to do is talk about Dr. Rife and his machine, and they can just look it up on their phone, and boom, yeah, guess what? We have the cure. Boom, there it is. Guess who's not talking about it? The Mockingbird Media. Okay, so everybody is for cures, and instead of being, somebody being an anti-vaxxer, they're, they're not an anti-vaxxer, they are pro-cures. 
you see, and everybody wants to kick big pharma to the curb. Everybody wants to transform this broken healthcare industry. Everybody wants the cure to cancer. Everybody's lost somebody prematurely to a disease, right? And in this way, in, in, if we're all pro-cure, then none of us are anti-vax. And even the pro-vaxers will be pro-cures, okay? And in this way, the opposition can't paint everybody with these broad brushes of you're an anti-vaxer or you're anti-science or whatever like that, because this is real science here, right? And I mean, you guys, we are not trapped in a room by jigsaw here, okay? We don't have to play by their little game and by their little rules. You know what I'm saying? And the vaccines and the pharmaceutical drugs is the way that these, these globalists, the way that these communists are controlling the healthcare industry. So if we change the dialogue, when just Dr. Reif's machine is just one example, if we change the dialogue about this in our healthcare industry, we can hit this pressure point, and then we can end up changing the way that people think. We can change their minds because they will want the cure. And in the process, we hit this pressure point and we disrupt the Jenga stack. We you have up, one minute left. Oh, crap. i got a minute left. Let me call you back. Is that cool? Yep. Okay. All right. All right, call us right back. The caller has hung up. We're going to get him back for the last 30-minute segment. This is going to be a two-hour segment. We're going to have to cut this up so you can listen to some of this stuff. It's super interesting. I think Max's head is blown. Just Well, I I still can't get over the fact. I I mean, I keep saying it. For so long, we were told that he had special needs. I mean, like, that's just, it's a complete lie. And and why that guy would go on on, uh, an interview and just lie like that, I just, I, I can't get over it. It's, it's blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. Well, and the fact that, uh, the fact that it went so long, you know, what he was talking about earlier about the Mockingbird media, if you watched the things that he was putting out anyways, and you watched the video of him speaking, it's very clear the guy is highly intelligent. Uh, but, but, you know, people weren't, uh, I shouldn't say people, but, enough people were going to the mainstream news and eating that up and not not digging like we were talking about last night and so you know then those ideas proliferate and you know now we've come to this point where so far in the future we have all these people who are seeing this show and seeing him speak and they're like oh wow holy crap how how did i how did i get the you know the memo wrong for a year for you know what i mean it's it's a little bit wild that this is this is uh how long it's been you there it is. It is wild. And when and when you listen to him talk about the need to unite, the need for communication, um, I don't think that there's any better example of the importance of being able to communicate, being able to coordinate with people than what he's going through, living in solitary confinement. Because that's the inverse, right? They're they're putting him in solitary confinement as a punishment, so he cannot have the benefit of hey talking there. to people, hanging oh, wow. out with people, having communication, brother brotherhood. So that alone is <clears throat> is evidence enough that co- uh, co- uh, coordination and communication is so vitally, vitally important. This podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive. And yeah, insurance won't cover that either. Air Med Care Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy. 
in the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Do we have them back? Not yet. Okay. So they're going to get them on. Jake, are you back? Yes, sir. I am here. All right, we're good. Awesome. Can you hear me? Um, yes. Yes, we can. I was just saying that I think your point about people working together and people being able to communicate together, the importance of that is, is probably best explained by the fact that they're putting you in solitary confinement, right? They don't want you to be able to go out and, and talk with other prisoners. They don't want you to have freedom of movement, freedom to collaborate with other with other people. Um Talk about what you're going through in the prison, because we've heard some some nightmare stories of people having broken bones and getting Band-Aids of obviously you went on a, a brief hunger strike and, and were able to secure. No, I, I didn't foods. go on a hunger strike. I, well, that's yeah, a, that's I didn't go on a hunger strike. That's how they painted it, though. Um, well, I'll talk about how, what I, I'll put it this way. Um, when I was in Arizona, um, I was in the detention center in Arizona, and um, I didn't eat for three days because I, I refused to eat anything that wasn't organic um, for a number of reasons. If you want, you can, you know, we'll talk about that later. But um, they, and then the people there actually, the, the, uh, the, the guards and stuff, they actually went out and bought me organic food. I was blown away. And so I got to eat organic food for, you know, the time I was there. And then I went to the D.C. jail, um, and when I got there, they refused to give me organic food. And I was like, okay, well, you know, religious exemption, you know, or, can I, or religious reasons, can I please have this food? No. Okay, medical reasons, no. Um, the, the, the level of racism, look, I've never really experienced racism in the United States until I went to the D.C. jail. The, the level of racism I experienced there was unbelievable. Um, there was, I, I was talking to one of the, uh, like she was like a nurse or a doctor and she was examining me while I was not eating. And she was a black woman. I think she might've been from like Nigeria or something. And she was under the impression that I was a white supremacist, that I was a, uh, that I was a, um, a racist and all this other stuff because she believed the mockingbird media. And uh, I told her, no, not at all. I, I love all races, you know. In, in fact, I've actually dated a couple of black women. You know, I love, I love all races. And she goes, I can't believe a black woman would ever date you. Yeah, the, they're not like, Americans. Oh, my God. These people are not Americans. Well, well the thing that blew me well, yeah, exactly. But what blew me away the most was her, her blind racism. And the fact that if the roles were reversed and she were standing there and it was a white nurse working on working with a black man, a black inmate, and the white nurse says to the black man, I can't believe a white woman would ever date you, this would outrage this woman and she'd say, You're a racist nurse. Okay? But if you if she but because she was so blinded by the propaganda, she didn't see me for who I was. There was also a Black Lives Matter uh, guard in the in the DC jail, and I only know he's Black Lives Matter because the mask that he was wearing said Black Lives Matter on it. That was 
intentionally like like provoking the Trump supporters. Okay, um, I, I one time I had a blanket that was absolutely soaked because the wall that I was uh, sleeping next to was just uh, full of condensation. It was freezing outside. It was February in D.C. Um, uh, and uh, the wall was con uh, the condensation on the wall got my blanket soaked and I was freezing. And I, I knocked on the window and I, was like, I said to the guard, hey, I'm really cold. This blanket is soaked. Can I please get another blanket? And he like looked over where the blankets were like, uh, there's no blankets. And, you know, the, the, the case manager or whatever that I had while I was there, when I explained to her that I hadn't eaten in 10 days and I was really hungry and I just wanted some organic food, the indifference that I experienced from this woman was on another level. The indifference and, well, from, from, the, uh, from the, uh, the pastor that they had, from, from the chaplain, was also, like, just so cruel. And, look, I, I'm not, I love all races. Uh, the fact of the matter is all these these people were black and they looked at me like I was scum. And I was like, oh my God, you know, if, if this is what racism is like, this is, you know, this is absolutely terrible, you know? And I, so I left the DC jail after 11 days of not eating and they brought me to Alexandria detention center. And, oh man, it, it has not been a cakewalk. Um, the, uh, the Alexandria Detention Center kept me in a solitary confinement inside of a room with no radio, no book, um, you know, uh, all I had was like a writing material and a, pa and a pad of paper, and that was it. And uh, that was for like the first 30 days. And it was awful, you guys. It was so awful. And uh, sometimes they weren't feeding me very much. And so, um, you know, for a number of reasons, I was extremely uncomfortable. The, the, the mats that they had us sleeping on are these little, like, one-and-a-half-inch uh, foam mats on top of a slab of concrete. You know, it's... Um, Detention centers are are really really bad. Some of the guards here were not very nice to me uh, on the bottom floor. Some of them were really cool, and I, I am going to tell you that that uh, you know some of these uh, deputies are good people, man. You know, many of them, most of them are good people. You know, and I've I've only experienced mostly compassion from a lot of these people. It, th these are good people in a really bad system. Okay, not, not, not so much over at D.C. jail. From what I understand, over at D.C. jail, they, they violated human rights so badly that actually the judge that I had, Judge Lambert, yeah. ordered a, uh, the marshals to go in there and inspect, and they found, like, numerous human rights violations. They found, like, the sanitation was awful. The water was, was uh, like, brown. You know, the people couldn't drink it. They had to filter it through, like, socks and stuff. Uh, they found that people were, like, locked away in solitary confinement like it was a gulag, and, like, people were, like, breaking down crying, thinking that they had been forgotten when the marshals showed up to see what the conditions were like. I mean, I heard that, that there was the marshals that could not believe that they were inside of a jail or inside of a detention center or whatever inside the United States, that they thought it was like, a, it was so bad that it was like, they thought it would be in like a foreign, a foreign jail or something like that. So um, solitary confinement, the pressure that I've been dealing with, the mental, the emotional stress. You guys, I have white hairs. Before I ever was arrested, I didn't have any white hairs on my head, on my face, on my body, anywhere. I have white hairs on my arms. I have white hairs on my chest hair. I have white hairs on my beard. I have white hairs on my head. Okay, I got white hairs everywhere. All right. And it's because of the amount of stress. What's that? No, I was just joking. 
<laughs> I said anywhere else. Oh. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's why I said all over my body, man. You know, I didn't want to say I got white hairs in my pubes now, you know, but, but hey, dude, it, it's fucking true, man. I, all over my body, the, the stress, the stress is unfreaking believable you guys. And to the, to the functional system of neural activity that creates our world, the, there is no difference between physical pain and mental and emotional pain because the portions of the brain that process mental and emotional pain also process physical pain. This is why people end up committing suicide, okay? It's because they're in so much mental and emotional pain that they just want it to end. At least when you're in that much physical pain, you'll black out, okay? When you're in that much mental and emotional pain, you just, you don't want to live anymore. And so I have, for many, many, many months, I have been living each and every day not wanting to live, but also not wanting to die. I have been living almost like every day I wake up in the morning, it's like I have to start running a marathon. And the marathon is, uh, the, the run is only over when I fall asleep. But I know, you know, that when I wake up in the morning, hey, guess what? You got to run another marathon again. You know, and this is going on day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, week by week, month by month. And, you know, I don't know when it's going to end. You know, that was one of the hardest parts, you know. So the, 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 the treatment is it, it, like, like with Julian Assange, dude. You know, the process is the punishment. And granted, yeah, I'm going to prison for, you know, the, they gave me a 41-month sentence, but, you know, I'll, I'll go to a prison if it means that I can get out of solitary confinement. That will be that'll be a lot better than where I'm at. So, um, so I what can are at least we walk for? around and be social and talk to people. What, what, what are we oh, waiting? I'm waiting for them to send me. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the BOP to place me. That's, that's all I'm waiting for. It's supposed to take anywhere from 30 to 45 days to transfer me from where I'm at to whatever prison they're going to put me in. And, uh, you know, we've asked for uh, FCI Phoenix, um, but that doesn't mean that's where I'm going. The, the, the DOP can place me wherever the hell they want. I can be in New Mexico. Sure, I could, I could stay here in Virginia if they wanted to keep me here in Virginia. They could send me to the Washington, D.C. Federal Detention Center or whatever, or, I mean, a federal prison. You know, they can send me wherever they want you know and i sometimes wonder if you know because lord knows they are listening to all these phone calls you know i i sometimes wonder you know am i uh am i doing myself in here are they going to send me somewhere really bad you know but but what matters to me is that people know the truth dude not so much not just not so much about what's happening to me but what is about what has happened to so many people in this system Okay, this is not what the founders intended at all. Okay, this is not what they had in mind. In fact, this is the very thing that they tried to warn us about. Well, I can tell you, they definitely tried to warn us about it. And we we walk around with these kind of, you know, they say we're we're the party of law and order and Americans, we don't want to break the law. While we have this a corrupt government and we have this organized crime inside of our government, that is no holds bar. Lawlessness has become law. Yet, when you try to stand oh, up against yeah. it, well, and you try I... to... go ahead. 
Oh no, I'm sorry. No, you're right. I, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt. I don't want to be that guy. Um, no. I was just going to say that the most frequent law maker, the most frequent law breakers, are the lawmakers. And yeah. if you think about it, what we have, if we have a corrupt bureaucracy that is full of law breakers, then we don't have rule of law. We have a form of controlled anarchy because all of these criminals are the ones that are enforcing the law. Yeah. So the, my issue is this: is that it's time to just say no. Take, take the string that's tied to our ankle, that's tied to a fence, that's not even the ground, and just kick it off and quit acting like we're the elephant that can't go anywhere because we have a string holding us to a, a fence. We have to start standing up and taking back our communities and taking back. Look, January 6th, I'm going to just say it. January 6th was necessary because of what they did on the 3rd of November 2020. That was the insurrection. What happened in January 6th was a redress of grievances for stealing an election. And they have stolen the voice of the American people. So that I don't see anything that anybody did on January 6th. I personally believe that we should get a couple million people to walk up to the prison and say, let them out. Now, that's what I think we should do. I haven't done it yet, but I think we should do that. Because I think what they've done to you and they've done to others is frankly a disgrace. Well, I hear you on that, brother. It definitely is a disgrace. Um, well, well, I also think, you know, that part of the issue is this. We have become far too reactionary to the press and the corrupt bureaucracy. Yeah. We are not proactive. We are not provocative. And this is why we get sporadic results and very little change. You see, Gandhi said that the, the power behind civil resistance, the power behind nonviolent non-cooperation, is that you provoke and you provoke and you provoke until you get a response. And this ends up leaving you, the person that is provoking, the, being the one in control, because you're the one that's in control of the narrative, you're the one that's in control of the dialogue, you're the one that is in control of the situation, because you're provoking the, the, the opposition, you see. So we need to be the provocateurs, but we can't allow violence. This is, this is part of what is so important, okay, is that the left... The, these communists, they obviously have no problem allowing their side to be violent. Look what happened all summer of 2020, these quote-unquote mostly peaceful protests, right? So what we have to do is we have to, like I said, come up with an uncorruptible formula. That's why I suggested this idea of every Saturday at noon at your capital, nonviolent, non-cooperation, civil disobedience, no masks, no social distancing, praying, singing, socializing, and if you have the courage, create, you know, bring a little, uh, uh, a little uh, fire pit or something like that and burn your vax cards, burn your vax, uh, vaccine passports and stuff like that. Um, have a sign that is talking about Dr. Rife's cures, not anti-vax. We want the cure, Dr. Rife's machine. Or have a sign that says, we want Tesla coils, infinite free, clean energy. We don't want wind and solar. Okay, because now what we can do is we can use the enemy's momentum against them. We can use the opposition's momentum against them. They're trying to push solar and wind and saying, this is your renewable energy. No, 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 no. Nikola Tesla discovered an infinite, clean, wireless, and free, free 
source of electricity. When he discovered the Tesla coils and the way that we can use the electromagnetic uh, field of the Earth to create infinite free, free clean energy. And, and this is the added bonus to using Tesla coils. And this is very important, okay? The Chinese have basically infiltrated our communication systems through Huawei and the use of 5G, okay? They have also infiltrated our communication systems through the use of, like, uh, iPhones and all this tech being manufactured in China. You better believe that communist China is placing little back doors into all of our tech so that they can listen, whether it be through artificial intelligence or whatever. They can listen and, and siphon all of our communications. And what did I say before? the most important thing in warfare is to compromise the enemy's communication lines, okay? So we can use these Tesla coils not just to give ourselves infinite, free, clean, wireless energy. We can use these Tesla coils to also communicate all over the globe so we don't need to erect satellites in the, in the, and put them up in the sky. We don't need to erect cell phone towers or radio towers or anything like that. And we can also stimulate our economy in the process because now that we have this new form of energy, we can also create new gadgets that are all made in America that are going off of these, these frequencies and these signals of these Tesla coils, and we won't have our communication siphoned by China. Okay, we also hit China, kick them in the balls with this, because now we're not buying any of their microchips, we're not buying any of their tech, none of that stuff. Okay, we're also not allowing them to spy on us and listen to our, our communications. And to top it all off, these Tesla coils also have the ability to control the weather. Yes, that's right, control the weather. So that means that we could literally stop hurricanes from hitting cities. We could literally stop tornadoes from tearing cities apart, like what happened in Kentucky. And believe me, it's true. If you understand the way that electromagnetics work and the way that like electromagnetic fields end up affecting you know, things like the distribution of the elements in the ecosystem, system and stuff like that, then it's really not all that hard to understand how it is that you could easily direct like a hurricane or, or direct a, a tornado away from a city. It also would be quite easy to understand how it is that you could say rain crops without ever having to charge people for water. You could just easily have the, the, the control the weather and have everybody's crops get rained on. It's, it, the, the applications are through the roof, but the thing is, people aren't demanding it. So instead of having a sign that says, we don't want wind, we don't want solar, just have a sign that says, we want Tesla coils, infinite free clean energy. We want Dr. Rife's cures, Dr. Rife's machine, you know, cure cancer. Okay, now imagine if we have a bunch of people gathering at their Capitol building with these signs, as opposed to signs that are about, uh, you know, uh, in line with the controlled media or the controlled narrative that we've been given, okay? Then we're talking about not only changing the dialogue, we're talking about changing the collective thought patterns, we're talking about the next stage of evolution. Okay, okay hold on a second. Final hold on, hold point. On, hold on. Okay, hold oh, on. Oh, go ahead. Hold on. We could also just walk into the judiciary. We could walk into these places, pick up all their furniture, walk it outside, and evict them peacefully and say you're fired. We can do that, too. Yes. It's peaceful. Well, look, here's the thing, bro. Well, you're, you're right about that, but here's the thing. Nonviolent non-cooperation does that on its own. By, by evicting them with our hearts and within our minds. Look, no law has ever ever been obeyed that was not first written in the heart and written in the mind of the person that is obeying the law. Okay, so the whole idea here is that 
in, in the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union went down because everybody all over the Soviet Union gave the government the finger and said, we're not working for you, we're not doing this anymore, get the hell out of our country. And the Soviet Union fell because nobody was working with them anymore. And the fact of the matter is, if we learn from history and we apply these techniques that work, whether it be nonviolent, non-cooperation, like what happened in India, or what happened in the Soviet Union, or what happened in the South here in America, every time it has worked. And I know everybody wants to do something drastic, or they want some sort of ch change now. Okay, we're in the microwave culture. You know, we were in the internet culture. But I'm telling you, it's going to take consistency. Consistency builds momentum. That's why I'm suggesting we go to the Capitol every day, every Saturday. That's why I'm suggesting we go every every Saturday at noon. That's why I'm suggesting we change the signs that we are holding from being a part of the controlled narrative to us taking control of the dialogue, to us taking control of the narrative. And in the process, we we literally peacefully make the government, the corrupt bureaucracy, void. Okay. I, mean, I love it, the media, but I still the like media my idea better. Spin. Oh, I like it. Believe me, I understand where you're coming from. I just, I know the way that the media will spin it. And trust me when I say, dude, that these, these bureaucrats will throw you in frickin' jail, and they will throw every single charge they can at you. So I'm trying to keep people from being where I'm at. Okay, I'm trying to keep people from having to deal with what it is that I'm dealing with, and I'm trying to help people stay safe and be most effective. Because think about this. Think about the way that the media would handle a bunch of people with all these signs that end up totally blowing their narrative out of the water. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. This is something. It would it would change everything. I mean, think about this. Think about uh, uh, the media is now instead of reporting on a bunch of anti-vaxxers or a bunch of people that don't agree with wind and solar, now they're reporting on a bunch of people that are pro-cures, that are trying to expose go uh, secret government patents, that are trying that can cure disease and cure AIDS and cure cancer, that are that can transform the healthcare system or that can transform the energy supply and make uh, you know America energy independent. You know. That, that can literally change the face of our economic situation, you know. So, with all that said, unfortunately, um, I uh, I have to go. They're telling me I have to go back in my cell. So, you know, I'm I'm as much as I'd like to nonviolently not cooperate here. Uh, this this deputy is actually a really good dude. He let me go over a little bit more with the time. So, um, I love everybody for you know hearing me out, and you know I accept your uh, your prayers on a daily basis. I God bless all of you and you know god bless the united states of america hey god bless you and we're going to put up your give send go so people can actually um help support you as well and we'll be back in touch with you jake god well, bless you hey 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 yeah, you yeah. people can support me don't worry about the, the the whole you know funding me and my legal situation buy my book Buy one mind at a time and read it. That will change everything. That's how you can support me. Because trust me when I say that will do my heart so much more good than money in the bank. Wow. Thank you, Jake. God bless you. God bless Thanks, you. Sir. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, and hopefully Joe. we'll talk again. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Bye. So, so that was that was Jake, and you know we went two hours. Yeah. And he's not insane. He's not no. even remotely insane. No, he's highly intelligent. He's not even crazy. This guy's IQ is off the charts. 
And he literally is as calm as a cucumber. I got to go back in my cell. Okay. He's fearless. He's fearless. Guys, you want to know what fearless looks like? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Order the book. Go and order the book. Don't support him. Do not give him money. Order the book. When you buy the book, you give him a little money. A little bit. But he'd much, he'd much rather you read the book than, than just donate. I just feel like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just great. It's great to see, you know, it's great to have this conversation and kind of break all the barriers of what they've been saying about him. Yeah. And he spoke with us in lieu of spending time with his attorney. So this yeah. was his attorney's time. This is the time that they let him out to talk to his attorney. He used that time to call us. Um, so they only let him out an hour or two a day. Two hours. What you just, two hours a day. What you just got on this super long episode of the podcast was his entire day outside of his prison cell. Think about that. So share this, share this. He obviously felt it was important enough to dedicate his entire day to getting his message out. So I ask you, the least you can do, please do share it share this with people so that more people can understand because I still am shocked. And, and it, frankly, if, if once, he, once this is all over, he goes back to protesting, if he ditched the horns and the fur and maybe wore like a top hat and a monocle, I think it'd be harder for the media to paint him as this, this crazy person, right? Because um, obviously he isn't. Obviously he isn't. He's not crazy. He is a patriot. And I want to, I want to, you know, something special just happened here, though. I'm starting to figure it out. They, they are deathly afraid of us collectively. They're deathly afraid of it. And the radical left, they're nothing but liars. And this is just another indication of how bad of liars they are. And we're winning. And you can see that we're winning. So I just want you to, you know, hit the share button. Download us on uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. Tune in. Tune in. But no, you're right. They uh, the reason that they're afraid of us and all these other you know independent uh, you know news outlets, whatever you want to call them, these people, these podcasts, the, a lot of the people that we're seeing on the tour, you know, people who are giving him uh, a voice. And I mean, the reason that they're terrified is because that cuts through the noise of that mockingbird establishment that he was talking about which is the only reason that people had the perception of him that they have until now yeah yep well we are we are super over time we gotta start Way getting over. ready for the evening podcast yeah but if again if you like this make sure you share it make sure you comment make sure you give us a, a five-star review on apple Podcasts if you can and just check all the links in the description sometimes the links change and even if you've left us a five-star review before, you can do it again. So check right, that out. Two, That's going to be things. it for this edition okay. of the podcast. Go ahead, Joe. Give, it, give the final bit. No, we'll do it tonight. We only got a couple hours till that. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like when you pull an all-nighter and you have yeah. to go up to work, go to work three hours later. That's where we're going to be yeah, <laughs> in and a couple By the hours. way, somebody just said have a Q&A after requesting people read his book. I think that'll be good. Yeah, we'll have another Q&A. We'll have him ask questions. Maybe we'll bring other. Can we get two guests on at the same time? 
Yeah. On the call? Yeah. On a, a phone call, I'd have to figure out if we can do that. Yeah, we'll sure figure we, it out. We can figure it out. We'll figure it out. Great idea. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like it, again, check out all the links in the description. We go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, usually. Today was a little different because he was in solitary and couldn't get out until later. Uh, but tune in for that. And if you need a reminder, that's why it's so important. Today, the time changed. And the only reason you would have known is if you were on our text list or you heard a little bit in the morning. So text the word FREEDOM, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, to 89517. You'll get added to our text alert system. And we'll let you know what we're talking about and how, when, and where you can watch. That's it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. My name is Joe Sick Oatman right now. <laughs> Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.